New Thinking Allowed, conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with parapsychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today, once again, I'll be returning to the big list of questions left by viewers of our October 11th live stream event. And I'll uh, get right into it now. Melissa Urban says, would you be willing to offer an internship? I have a visual mixed media degree and have so many questions for so many things you've discussed on your channel. Melissa, we welcome volunteers. We don't have a budget to pay uh, for employees or interns at the moment. It would be great if we did. But uh, if uh, for those of you watching, if you're interested in volunteering, let me encourage you to send an email to friends at newthinkingaloud.com. I actually read those emails myself. And uh, if you're interested in volunteering, we can use people to transcribe our interviews and monologues, to translate them into foreign languages, to help us with our uh, publicity, to uh, there are many other editing tasks, grant writing so that we can afford at some point to hire people uh, working on our website. There's, you know, this is a <laughs> actually a rather large operation, and it's mostly all on my shoulders. So, I do welcome assistance from viewers. And, and we actually have over 300 volunteers. They come and they go because they're volunteers, but uh, I'm very grateful to, to the enormous amount of help that I have received. It's been a godsend. Forever Conscious Research Channel says, New Thinking Aloud with Jeffrey Mishlove, thank you for all your hard work. I'm curious how someone of your intellect could still believe in politics and the system in general. Both sides are criminals. Well, thank you for uh, your compliments. Uh, it's not about intellect, I suppose, that uh, causes me to have faith in the system. It's more at the emotional level. It's about trust. I basically have faith in humanity. I basically think that, that people uh, at bottom, it's not as if we don't have lots of criminal elements amongst us, but I think even amongst criminals, and I worked with murderers and rapists at San Quentin Prison, they're mostly good people most of the time, <laughs> even criminals. Uh, so, I do have faith in the system, and I'll tell you uh, what I disagree with is, is that both sides are criminals. No, there are criminals who are involved in the system at all levels of politics and business. Of course, there are. But you know what? It's those very criminals who want you to believe that everybody is a criminal. People who push that notion that they're all criminals. No, there are many well-intentioned people working in the media, working in government, working in medicine and in science and in our institutions. I mean, think about it. Do you expect that you could live the life that you're living right now and have water and electricity and internet service if there weren't thousands or even millions, millions of good people working every day to make that happen for you? 
I So I don't buy into that cynicism, and I don't think that I'm being namby-pamby about it either. I'm not blind to uh, the negative influences in our culture. Amy Slawbaugh says, I am deeply impressed by your commitment to consciousness research. How do you stay so motivated and passionate? Do you feel your motivation is influenced by… and then she leaves it blank. Well, it is true. I do feel motivated and passionate uh, uh, about this field. I am of the opinion that human beings have so much potential. There's so much good that we can yet accomplish. My One of my mentors, Gene Houston, used to say, uh, put it this way, we are given a Stradivarius violin, but we only learn to play it like a plastic fiddle. And I think what she meant by that is our mind-body system. We have so much potential in our bodies, our nervous system, our awareness. Uh, it gets me very, very excited. But let me say this. I'm a fortunate person. I realize that. I was born under good circumstances in a good year to a good family. I've always had good mentors and friends and people encouraging me uh, to become the person who I've become. And th that's why I guess I, I want to pass it on. I want to pay it forward. I want to encourage others as, as well. And I get so high from, uh, from sharing my exuberance for the field of consciousness and parapsychology. It's my great joy. It's what keeps me going. Uh, but maybe, as a previous questioner once suggested, I don't even have any free will. It's it's just something that bubbles out of me. I I I don't know how else to explain it at times. Johann Hemberg asks: Have you seen a larger interest in parapsychology in the last ten years? Larger. That's an interesting question because the interest in parapsychology was actually very large when I got into the field back in the 1970s. That's when the remote viewing research was first coming out and Uri Geller became a, an internationally known uh, psychic who had a huge impact. Uh, but he's asking about the last 10 years. And for the last five years, I've been doing the New Thinking Aloud channel. I think we've been having an impact. Um, also, I can say I, I believe the interest is growing in the United Kingdom where there are now many uh, colleges and universities uh, where professors are guiding people to uh, study this field. Uh, we have so, so very much more to do. So, I cannot say that I feel encouraged, uh, especially in the United States yet. Um, research funding has not, to my knowledge, really increased in the last 10 years. Carol Johnson says, After reading Many Lives, Many Masters, I am intrigued and may try to experience a past life regression. Have you done so, Jeff? How did your experience feel or affect you? Well, Carol, 
Actually, I used to practice past life regression therapy back in the days when I lived in California and I was a licensed psychotherapist. But I became a little bit disillusioned with it. Just I say a little bit. And the, the part that disillusioned me is that the imagery that people came up with under past life regression hypnosis was an authentic past life. I found many times I simply couldn't confirm it most of the time. Now, uh, I think those, that imagery is valid because not valid necessarily for evidence of reincarnation, but valid as an emotional expression, a symbolic expression, uh, a, you could call it a narrative that expresses emotionally what is going on with the individual who's having that experience, just like if it were a dream, as a matter of fact. So, I, I do feel like regression therapy is useful and valid, but not for the point of view of establishing past lives. Now, yes, I have been regressed many times, as a matter of fact. And, um, I, to be honest, I don't place much stock in the imagery that comes up under hypnotic regression as, uh, convincing me that those represent my own past lives. If you're interested in, uh, exploring your past lives, it's, it can be useful. And I think there are examples where people under regression did uncover information that was later validated, but those examples are less common than you might imagine. Uh, they represent probably only a, a small percentage of actual regressions. And I can tell you this for what it's worth. The people who are doing the most extensive research on past lives at the University of Virginia, where they're looking at the past life memories of young children who start describing past lives almost as soon as they can talk, those people uh, have a rather dim view of uh, past life regression therapy as being evidential. Philip Bernhard House, who has been a guest on New Thinking Aloud, asks, is there a difference between, quote, all is one and, quote, all is connected? If so, what is it? If not, why not? And if not, can all is one be a tautology that covers too much? Well, very good questions. And, uh, Probably much more than, than, uh, than I can answer briefly. Let me, let me try and give you the short answer. Uh, and that is whether you say all is one or whether you say all is interconnected or connected probably depends on the perspective at, from which you're looking at, at the world. Um, it might be like talking about a country like the United States. You could say, yes, we're all Americans. Or you could say, well, we're all connected to each other because we're part of this larger system we call the United States. Uh, it, to me, it's sort of a question of semantics. Peter Pipe asks, when will science and spirituality merge to become Super science. 
Uh, great question. Uh, I referred earlier, I believe, uh, to the writings of the great sociologist Pitterum Sorokin, and this was his goal in a sense. He called this the idealistic society when we have a, an external sensate view of the world and an internal, he called it an ideational view of the world and they come together in a perfect balance. He said this is very rare. He says it has happened historically. It happened uh, at the height of uh, ancient Greek culture. It happened at the height of the Renaissance culture. And uh, I, I know Sorokin was very hopeful that it will happen again, that much of the discontent and disillusionment that we are experiencing right now in our society is the result of the, the materialistic paradigm, or as Sorokin would call it, the sensate paradigm of our culture is breaking down. It's not satisfying people. We know we're so much larger than that. Uh, but to forge a true synthesis is not a simple matter. Uh, after all, what you get, uh, as Sorokin points out, are syncretisms, premature attempts to merge these two that don't really hold together. And there's another risk that Sorokin points out, at least in Western culture, these moments of merging of science and spirituality are short-lived. The height of the Renaissance and the height of the Greek culture in Athens didn't last really more than um, probably less than a hundred years. So, uh, in Asian culture, he sees it lasting longer. He believes the ancient Egyptians had such a culture uh, for themselves that lasted for thousands of years. The Chinese had a balanced culture. Sorokin claims lasted for centuries. So, uh, it could happen soon. It could, uh, I, I would say, you know, the good probability, uh, we'll see such a culture in the next hundred years. I think before I close, I want to remind you that you can subscribe to our free weekly newsletter by going to the New Thinking Aloud Foundation website. That's New Thinking Aloud, one word, aloud is spelled A-L-L-O-W-E-D dot O-R-G. You can subscribe there to our free weekly newsletter. You can also check out our searchable database. It includes not only our own videos, but several videos from other YouTube channels. And uh, all you have to do is put a search term, any search term in, it'll take you to the very spot in the videos where that search term is discussed. So, check it out. And uh, do subscribe to our weekly newsletter. And before I go, let me leave you with this question from Philip Bernhard House. Do you accept the idea that all is one? The great thought that mystics throughout history and in every culture have articulated. How does that ring to you? All is one. Or conversely, all is connected. How do you feel about that? Thank you for being with me.